Hello, and welcome to the Seminole Wrap, a podcast about all things Florida State. I'm Tim Alibal, and with me this week is Tomahawk Nation's Adam Brown. We're just a few days away from Florida State's game against Jacksonville State, and Adam's going to help us uh, preview what to expect this upcoming week. After that, we'll be joined by Josh Pick for part two of our discussion about Florida State's targets for the 2022 class. All that and more on this week's Seminole Wrap. Well, good day, boys and girls. Thanks so much for joining us today. Excited to talk about Florida State football. Excited about uh, what everybody expects to be a win this upcoming week against Jacksonville State. Uh, We're going to be talking what to expect from the Gamecocks, uh, what we can maybe see Florida State doing this week, and no better person to talk football than my friend Adam Brown. Adam, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Tim. I have to say, though, excited is an interesting adjective to use to talk about (laughs) Florida State football right now. Uh, Adam, at at this point, uh, any football is something to be excited (laughs) about. I mean, maybe if we were uh, if we were winning games, I would just be downright giddy. But we'll just (laughs) we'll just do with excitement. Yeah, I agree. I'll take it. (laughs) Yeah. So a little bit about Jacksonville State. Uh, Adam, correct me if I'm wrong, but they haven't played at all this year, right? They have not. They've been they've been practicing for a little over a, about a month, maybe a little a few days more than that. Uh, they've got a handful of games that they're going to play this year. They're gonna they're doing a couple of the uh, cash grab type games where they're just uh, a couple of opponents have, are going to pay to play them, and they're gonna they're gonna, I think they've got like three games, maybe maybe only two, but uh, they're going to play a couple games, and this is one of them. <laughs> uh, a little bit about Jacksonville State. They are part of the football championship subdivision, um, and they are in the Ohio Valley Conference. Yeah, they did a nice job last year. Uh, they uh, they made it to the playoffs last year in the, in the FCS, and uh, you know they're a scrappy team. They, they, they're they're consistent with what they do. Um, they're consistently uh, uh, one of the better programs. Uh, in the FCS, or, you know, or one of the more competitive programs anyway. Um, I've been watching a lot of film, what, what we can find from last year. Uh, it's It's been a challenge to find some things to be able to scout them. But, um, you know, I, 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 I like what they do. I like, I think they're a pretty well-coached team where I was going to get into that a little bit more. But, uh, yeah, it's, this has been a challenge, but, but a fun challenge for me to, for me to scout. Yeah, uh, I was surprised to see that their YouTube channel, they, they appear to update it almost like once a week with something from the football program. Yeah, there was a lot of, uh, pra- and I wouldn't call it practice footage, but they uh, interviews with the coach, uh, very similar to what we kind of got from Florida State this offseason. Um, you know, some, sh- some clips of guys going through drills and, you know, the, to- the coach kind of talking over it as they're, as they're uh, showing some of those clips. But, um, yeah, I was able to, fortunately able to find uh, two games from last, se- from last year, a game against Eastern Kentucky that was earlier in the year and then a game against Tennessee Tech, which was later in the year. Um, they were one and one in those games that I was that I was able to find. Uh, you know, I'm, we're going to talk about it a little bit more, but one one word I would use to describe them right away is a gutsy program uh, against Eastern Kentucky. They were down 49 to uh, they were down no, I'm sorry, they were down 28 to seven and came back and won 49 to 45. And then against Tennessee Tech, they were down 24 to seven and they ended up losing that game. Uh, but the but they made it very competitive at the end. 
you're you're already a little bit scaring me because uh, over the last two years, we've really seen that when Florida State gets up and another team starts to mount a comeback, the team really just kind of goes into a shell. So, trust uh, me, I, I've been I've been thinking a lot of the same things uh, as I'm as I'm watching here, thinking to myself, if this is a game that they don't put their the Florida State doesn't put their foot on their throat. Uh, they they could find themselves in a, in a competitive ball game at the end. Yeah, for uh, for those that remember, Florida State did play Jacksonville State back in 2009. That was the infamous game you couldn't find anywhere on TV. And <laughs> uh, Ryan Paraloo, uh was quarterbacking for Jacksonville State, had them beating Florida State for the majority of the game. Florida State scores twice, I think, in the last, like, 90 seconds to pull out that victory. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I was I was saying Eastern Kentucky. They they beat Eastern Washington. I just want to correct myself there. Okay. Yeah. Eastern Washington is a pretty good program. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they they do a good job out there. But uh, I'm really hoping for nothing even close to a 2009 repeat. Oh, listen, I'm hoping for nothing the, even close to what we saw last year against uh, what should have been an easy win. You know, for the Seminoles in the second week. Uh, this is our third week, but. Yeah. Uh, I just can't stand another heartbreak or another, you know, <laughs> another one of those barn burner type games. I need something easy, please. Well, let's jump into Jacksonville State. You know, we kind of made that, that 2009 joke there, but there are some similarities because once again, Jacksonville State has a Division One transfer at the quarterback. Yeah, quarterback Zarek Cooper. He, uh, I believe he was a four-star that went to Clemson and then uh, found his way down to Jacksonville State. And he's, um, I'm telling you right now, I'd take him. I'd take him to Florida State in a heartbeat. Uh, he's a dynamic thrower. He gets the ball out quick. Uh, he seems to know where to go with the football at all times. Um, yeah, people are going to talk about him as the runner. I don't think that that's necessarily his strength. Um, he's kind of a lumberer. He's in the Taj Boyd mold from a, from a while back with, with Clemson, a bigger body runner uh, who doesn't, he's not going to use speed, but he's, you know, he's got a quick in a phone booth and can, can make him miss a, in, in, in short spaces. Uh, but really he's not going to run away from you. He's going to run, try to run you over, but his game's all about his arm. He's got a, he's got a top notch arm. He can throw the thing as far as you need him to. Um, like I said, he's got a quick release. He gets it out quick. He seems to seems to understand where to go with the football at all times. Um, he he does have a, a tendency to throw some interceptions when he gets a gets a little uh, trigger happy or a little gunslingerish and tries to and tries to force it into coverage. Now, interesting enough, Jacksonville State had a, had a Notre Dame transfer at uh, wide receiver last year who was a big time player for them. And fortunately, he's gone. But uh, that was one of those players that uh, Cooper looked to get the ball to a lot last year and had a lot of success uh, connecting with, but he, he he's going to be a threat. Uh, he's going to be a challenge. They're going to have to, they're going to have to play a lot better on defense to uh, contain uh, Cooper in the passing game. So what kind of offense is Cooper going to be leading at Jacksonville state? Yeah, they, they, they like to run a lot of 11 personnel um, and then they'll get into some four wide trips. Uh, they, they do some diamond set backfields with a, uh, with a couple running backs and and, um, and a wide receiver, uh, their their tight end was a uh, All American last year, and he got I think he had an injury and missed uh, towards the end of the year. But the uh, big six number four, I can't think of his name, but he's a big six five six six kid, uh, two hundred forty five pounds, just a huge body uh, for a yeah, big target for them in the middle of the field. Um, they want to they want to throw the ball. They they you know with Cooper they they know that that's 
that's their bread and butter. They they want to throw the football, uh, and they want to be they want to be good at that. Um, we I've seen them coming out and you know trying to run the football with some success. I mean, they've got a couple running backs that are pretty decent, but really they want to get the ball down the field. Um, I was reading some quotes from their from their head coach here recently, where he talked about they've they've got a, a new trio of wide receivers that are pretty young, and he he used the phrase uh, blue collar. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious to see how they adapt their passing game. Uh, I expect to see some RPOs. I expect to expect to see some short throwing, uh, quick outs, that kind of stuff that uh, we've seen teams have success against Florida State with here earlier in the year. Um, but but really, I mean, they really look a lot like Florida State on offense. Uh, if you if you kind of compare the two, they do a lot of the same stuff. Uh, Eastern or sorry, Jacksonville State, they run a quarterback a little bit more. And I think that that's just because Cooper's a little more of an athlete and at the FCS. He can, he could take advantage of some things with his legs, but uh, they, they really are, are very much a mirror to Florida State and that they want to, they want to try to throw the football. And they want to, you know, formationally, they do a lot of similar stuff. They'll run some, um, they'll run some counter tray, which we've seen Florida State have some success with early in the season. They like to run some one back power. Uh, just, you know, it really is kind of your standard college offense anymore, spread college offense. Um, do, you, do you feel like that's an advantage for Florida State that this should be an offense that they've seen in a limited offseason and all, but something that they're familiar with? Yeah, yes and no. I mean, you know, you're going into this blind having not not seen this team play at all. You know, they're, they're relying on a lot of uh, – film from previous seasons and stops where, uh, you know, I'm sure they've, I'm sure they've seen, try to get some film of Cooper when he's going all the way back to Clemson, if there are any of that's available or some of these uh, transfers that they get in, um, you know, that's FCS programs are built on getting transfers from the D one level. Uh, so I, you know, I'm sure they're trying to find as much film as they can. Do I, would I call it an advantage? You know, it's not, certainly not a disadvantage. Um, but I don't know if you know enough about them, especially having not seen them play an actual game this year to say, okay, you know, we see this all the time in practice. Um, but I'm, I'm sure that there's some things that they can, they can look to from their own offense practicing against it. And, and really maybe the advantage is that your scout team is used to running some of these plays and they're able to go out and give your defense a better look because they do have the reps with it uh, from throughout this preseason. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, is, is this, I know this is kind of weird to say because we're talking about an FCS opponent. Is this a team where Florida State's defensive line can push them around? This is a hot-button topic uh, amongst the fan base. And they, they return all five starters up front. Um, they're, they're moving some guys around. Uh, not all five starters. They, they return five guys that they believe in. Uh, I actually have those names right here in front of me, and I, I will give them to you. Um, so they've got a redshirt junior named. Oh, just I'm reading this. I should have this memorized, but these are guys you just aren't used to talking about. Um, they've got a junior Cam Hill, a redshirt junior Zach Cangalosi, a redshirt sophomore Tylen Grable, a redshirt junior Your Majesty Sanders, another redshirt junior PJ Mixon. And another uh, another retro junior, Michael Sacks. So one, two, three, four, five, six. That's six linemen that they that they feel very confident in, and they're going to kind of move around. Um, 
I think that they're, they they had two tackles last year that they're moving into guard. They've got a couple of younger ta- guys that were on the bench last year that are going to step in and play. Their center's moving out to tackle. So they're move they're moving a lot of pieces around, but they're guys that have been in their program for a while. Um, you know, I want to I want to tell you that Marvin Marvin Wilson and and, and the gang are going to push people around, but we haven't seen it this year, so I, I'm not prepared to step out on that limb. Um, I, I do expect that we're probably going to see Josh Kando back, and I know we're going to get into the Florida State defense a little bit here at some point, but I, I'm thinking we're going to see some more 4-3 out of the Seminoles this week. Um, so we'll see. It's to be determined. I, I would like to tell you that they are, but I, mean, I just don't have a lot of confidence, confidence in what the Knolls are doing right now to say yes. Um, I do think that the offensive line is a strength for Jacksonville State. I wish you wouldn't say that, but okay. So let me ask one more question about their offense. Sure. So we, we've seen the past, we've seen with Miami, we saw with Georgia Tech, they took advantage of Florida State's linebackers. Um, does Jacksonville State have the athletes that they can put the stress on the linebacking core that the other, that the past two teams have? Well, I'll tell you, they really like their running backs. So I'm really curious to see how they get them involved. I, I, I haven't seen a lot of that on the two, two films that I've, that I've watched so far uh, where they get them heavily involved in the passing game. But I do – I am thinking we're going to see some RPO action where they're going to try to get those linebackers sucked up and throw the ball behind their heads. I haven't seen their wide receivers that they're, that they're going to play this year. They, they didn't get a lot of uh, snaps last year. In the in the clip in the films that I've seen, so it's hard. It's really hard for me to to answer that question about how dynamic they are. Again, their their coach used the word uh, blue collar, so I'm expecting them to be more workers. They had some speed guys last year that like they like to get down the field. We'll see if that's uh, the case this season or not. Um, I don't. I I. I, I it's hard to say because it's an FCS program. I mean, you don't want to give them – you don't want to talk about so much like, oh, they're going to come in here and smoke Florida State. But at the same time, what we've seen out of the Seminoles is it's hard to say, well, yeah, you know, they're going to shut them down. Um, I, I, I think the Jacksonville State's a really, really well-coached football team. Um, I think that they're probably going to have some uh, some growing pains in the first half against against the Seminoles uh, just because they haven't played any – haven't played a football game. They haven't seen anybody but themselves. Uh, and we know that that's a tough thing to do and tough, uh, tough, it's going to be tough for them to simulate uh, the, the Seminole speed. Um, I, I would like to, I, I, I yes, I, I think that Florida State's going to be able to get underneath some of these, some of the routes that they're going to want to run, but I'm going to need, really need to see it to believe it. That's, that's totally fair. And nobody <laughs> would blame you for having that, that feeling. Uh, uh, it, you know, you know it, 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 it's just it's just tough because we haven't gotten to see him this year. It's really hard to give an, a, a really good scout of what we're going to get from him. But, uh, you know, I, I think we're just going to see – we're going to see a heavy dose of Eric Cooper in the passing game, and Florida State's better be ready for it or else he's going to light them up. I mean, at 110%, he will light them up if they let him. So let's talk about the defense, what Florida State – can do to, or let's talk about sorry, Jacksonville State's defense. What kind of scheme do they run on on their side? Yeah, they run they run a four two five four three. I would call it more of a four two five. They they've kind of got a big safety that they like to roll down in the box against uh against some two tight end sets. Um, they 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 like big big 
for lack of better terms, they like big fat boys in the middle. I mean, they've got like a 5'10", 3, 325, uh, those kinds of guys plug it up the middle. Uh, that move kind of well. They want, They like to one gap, so they like to try to get up the field. Uh, they like a lot of length at the defensive end position. Um, the, the one kid, uh, I believe he was number 12 last year. I think he changed his number. I've got his name here. It is DJ Coleman. He, he's the player to watch on defense. He, he is their, uh, he's their best defensive lineman. Uh, he's a defensive end. I, I believe he might be number two this year now. Was number 12 last year. Uh, he, he's a 6'5", 6'6", 240 type kid. Good speed rusher can get up the field. I, I, I think he's going to be an NFL type kid for them, uh, NFL prospect. Uh, he's a guy that they're going to have to they're going to have to be able to block. I'm curious. As, he lined up on the defense's left. The offense is right a lot last year. I'm, I'm curious to see if they try to match him up with Darius Washington and just let him get up the field. Um, then they've got Alabama transfer Markel Benton coming in at linebacker. They've got uh, I believe it's Umstead Sanders who uh, who was formerly a Florida State recruit uh committed to florida um so his name might ring a bell he's another another young man that's going to play some defensive end for them uh but yeah four two five and they they like to play a lot of man they'll, they'll play some cover two on the, on the back end so is there anything that that jumps out i know in the limited scout where florida state should have the advantage yeah i, I think florida state can run the football um Jacksonville State did a decent job against some a, a few of their opponents last year. They, I wouldn't say that they were uh, a sieve against the run game, but uh, teams. Uh, I'm watching Tennessee Tech right now, just kind of following it along here as we as we go through the second time I've watched the film. And Tennessee Tech really had a lot of a lot of success running the football. They were able to get the quarterback loose. So I, you know, I'm curious if Jordan Travis is, is healthy, if they can get him involved, um, and and then. Throwing wise, a lot of RPOs. They they're very susceptible to the RPO. They got out of position a lot. They're they're pretty well coached uh, defense. I mean, they're very disciplined. They tackle well. Uh, you know, at least last year. Again, we we don't know what their first game, what their tackling is going to look like. But um, yeah, I, I think that I think the, you need to establish an identity running the football, and you need to continue to try to do that. And I think I think that they can have success against the their their front. They're breaking in two new defensive tackles. Like I said, they're you know six or five ten you know, 300 pounders, but they, they, they move. Okay. But not great. I think that they can be run against. It's uh, it, it really is kind of a mirror of Florida state at the FCS level. It sounds like <laughs> scheme wise, personnel wise. There, there, there are a lot of similarities between the two programs. It's, it's interesting to, to have watched them, you know, schematically anyway, because they stand one of their ends up, uh, you, you know, they, they do a lot of similar things. What we, what I've come to know, watching Adam Fuller film from previous years, uh, what he's like to do. Let's let's talk about the Florida State personnel as a whole for a minute. Um, I, I think that's a pretty good scout of, of Jacksonville State with the limited information that we have. Um, if you want to watch more film yourself, you can go out to their YouTube channel, uh, find a lot of information there, and, and look at some of the same stuff that Adam's looking at. But if we talk about Florida State personnel, uh, we already saw the depth chart. We still have James Blackman listed up top. Is this a game you want James Blackman to start? You know, I've listened to a lot of folks have this conversation this weekend. Uh, and I've certainly have had this conversation with, with a lot of our TN, Tom Hulk Nation uh, uh, writers and just contributors and 
I've been very back and forth on it. First off, if Chubba, if Chubba Purdy's healthy, he, he's your starting quarterback, in my opinion. And he's who you go to, and you and you hand the reins over to him, and you ride him. Um, and it, uh, and that's just where my head is at anyway. If, he, if he's healthy and ready to go, you play him, and James Blackman's feelings be darned. Um, if he's not 100% healthy and not showing you that he's not necessarily there yet where he can – you can rely on him and Tate and uh, Tate Rodemaker and Jordan Travis. I, I do think you probably do play James this week, or start him anyway. Uh, and you and you build in some series for for uh, for Tate. You know whether it be every you know every third series or every other series. I wouldn't go every other series, but every third series he gets to come in and, and play some. Um, and you, and if Jordan's healthy, you you obviously utilize him like you did against Miami. Uh, with him and James playing together. But really, for me, it just all kind of hinges on Chubbo's health. Uh, I think he's the future of your program at quarterback, uh, you know, until Luke Altmaier gets in the program, if they're fortunate enough to keep him uh, committed and, and sign him. Uh, I, I, if Chubbo's healthy, that gives you three options at quarterback, and you can kind of say, all right, James, you know, we're, we're, we're ready to move forward with the, with the youth of our program. We'd love to keep you around and have you here, you know, invested, but understanding that he's probably going to be ready to, you know, enter the portal or just not be as focused as the year goes on when you need him again. Um, so, so for me, it, 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 it really hinges on where Chubb is at. If he's ready, let's, let's go baby. If he's not, then I think you give James, give James another start and you, and you work out some sort of rotation. Um, any other major personnel changes on offense you'd expect? Not any that I would expect. Uh, I would expect to see more of the two two freshman linemen. Um, I would ex- especially Thomas Schrader and a guard. The guard play right now for Florida State is just atrocious, and I know everybody has pointed to the tackles over the over the years. Uh, Devontae Love Taylor's playing really well for you right now. Maurice Smith is playing well for you right now. Uh, Darius Washington didn't have a great game last week, but he was matched up one-on-one against Quincy, Quincy Roche, and that just was a mismatch for a true sophomore. Uh, or, yeah, for, for, for yeah. a player's second year in, his, in the program against a, a fifth-year kid like that who, who I think he had like 12 sacks last year. That's a mismatch, and, you know, we could talk about whether they should have helped him out or not, but uh, I think he's I think he's got a bright future. But I think Dante Lucas clearly missed having an off season where he could get his body right and work out with that with that broken broken leg. And maybe on Johnson is just he just doesn't have it. He is what he is. He's a false start machine. He doesn't move his feet well. He just is what he is. So I expect to see more Thomas Schrader as we go along here and his confidence gets built up. And, and, and at the wide receiver position, I think you're going to continue to see the young kids. And I, and I really think you're just going to see the young kids more on offense in general. Uh, you know, Ja'Kai Douglas, Ken Trump-Poitier, Brian Robinson. These are, these are young men that showed that they're willing to come in and work hard. So I, I don't necessarily think I, we see any big changes, but I do think we see more out of the young kids. The, uh, the, the one of the hot names from the Miami game was Lawrence Toafili. Um, I, I don't think he's going to necessarily unseat "quote unquote" Jay Sean Corbin, you know, um, but I, I, I'd expect a heavy dose of Toa Philly pretty early on in this game. Yeah, uh, I expect a heavy dose of all of them, honestly. Uh, hopefully, Ladamian Webb's back. He, he, he's a player I like a lot too. Um, I, I really just ex- I, I expect this program 
to continue to try and establish an identity. I talked about it last week on four verticals. They needed to find an identity. I thought they tried to come out and run the football against Miami, and, and unfortunately they got behind, uh, and they had to kind of get away from it. But I expect them to continue to try to be a running football team and try to establish that so that they can work some, take some pressure off the quarterback position and work some play-action game. Um, so, I, 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 yeah, I anticipate seeing all those running backs. I'm hoping to see some Corey Wren. I really want to see him in action. I'm not sure why we haven't seen him yet. Uh, what, I'm not sure what the deal is there, but he's a young man with, with, with legit track speed. I'd love to see him in the game too. But, yeah, Tom Philly's a he's a small kid, but, boy, he, he brings the juice, and that's what they need on offense. So let's jump to defense real quick, and then we'll call it a night. Uh, um, <laughs> I don't think we're going to – me personally – I don't think we'll see any major changes personnel-wise, mainly because there's just not a lot of other names they can put in these spots. Yeah. They're, they're limited right now depth-wise. Yeah. But let me, let me phrase it like this. Uh, what would be encouraging for you to see out of the defense this week? What would be encouraging for me? Um, you know what would be encouraging for me is – just being in the right – you know what, just finishing. Finishing plays when the opportunity is there. I've seen and heard and, goodness gracious, we know everybody's beating up Adam Fuller right now. But if people go back and watch that film, I've seen the words thrown around of being unprepared, not not coached not coached up well in the offseason to, to where, you know, through Zoom to where they were ready for, for the run of the system. But if you go back and watch the film, guys were in position to make plays and they didn't make them. Now, I'll be darned if that's, on the, if that's on the defensive coordinator. If he can get you where you need to be, it's your job to finish. That's on you. That's on you as a football player. That's on you as a man when you step out on that field to finish. Um, so I just want to see him finish. And I'm, and I'm sure that that's going to be a major point of emphasis for them this week of practice is to finish plays. Uh, you know, besides that, you know, I want to see the linebackers continue to, to show any improvement, um, especially that – especially the, the – the, boundary side of the defense uh, that uh, that will linebacker that's going to be over there and that boundary corner just continuing to trying to find some stability over there and, and players that can make some plays on that side of the field because it's really really where they're getting killed right now but you're going to have a Hobbs back hopefully this week you're going to have Kendo back this week I think those two personnel moves are going to help you a lot uh, if if anybody hasn't checked out the four vert segment that we posted out on Tom Ognation earlier this week, you'll see exactly what Adam's talking about very early on in their film review where Emmett Rice in the position to make a tackle on the backfield triggers a little bit late and then basically falls at the defender's feet and misses that running back. But he's in the right spot, uh, but just not executing and finishing like you said. Yeah, Tim, we saw it time and time again in that game. Uh, Jaleel McCray doesn't take a deep enough drop to be underneath of an in-cutting route. Uh, we see Travis Jay hitting a player in the backfield, can't finish the tackle. I mean, to, just time and time again, we saw instances where guys were, were – the scheme put them in the right spot, and they just didn't finish. No, the, I, I'll, I'll be encouraged by that also. If you're seeing people finish and make – you know, one person actually bringing a player down instead of – uh, I'm all for gang tackling somebody, but if you can just see somebody actually finish on their plate, besides Amari Gaynor, who's uh, <laughs> Mr. Do-It-All right now. Yeah. But, uh, Adam, I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. I, I, I appreciate you taking the time and looking up Jacksonville State and, and watching some video 
and film on them because uh, I'm sure that wasn't always the funnest thing to do. Somebody's got to be a film junkie. I guess it'll be me. <laughs> <laughs> I encourage everybody to check out Adam on Tomahawk Nation. He's all over the site. Coach AB is his name. Main part of our four verts um, segments to go on there. Always in our recruiting threads. Provide scouts on every new Florida State player uh, that commits. I, I think you actually covered the Rod Orr one uh, this yep. past week, right? Yep. Yeah, and then uh, today, actually, or Wednesday, I, I put out a whiteboard Wednesday. We looked at the – the Jordan Travis uh, shovel pass play, which was pretty cool. Uh, just trying every Wednesday to, to teach, to give some of our fans a, a little bit of a scheme analysis, scheme analysis where they can learn something about different plays that Florida State's running that are that are just kind of cool and funky and not something you see every day. Well, Adam, I won't I won't put you on the spot for a prediction for Saturday because you don't know what you're going to get out of Florida State. But uh, are you at least predicting a a win by multiple scores? Yeah, I, I, th- I think I, th- I think right now I'm at plus 14. Um, I always tend to be the optimist anyway, but I yeah I do th- I do think they're going to find a win. I I do think that this is a team that when they get down they struggle, but I do think that they they I do feel like they've turned a bit of a corner and not quitting. Um, so you know I'm not I'm optimistic about that, and I and I think that Mike Norvell's the man for the job. He just he just needs time. So, yeah, I, I think they're going to get a win. I think it's going to be a, a decent win. It's probably going to have its moments, but I, I do think, yeah, I do think plus 14 at least. All right, Adam. You know, I look to you for all the answers. So if it's not <laughs> plus 14, I would be a little upset. But, <laughs> <laughs> Adam, I really appreciate it, man. Thanks so much. Sure thing, Tim. All right, at this time, we're joined once again with Josh Pick from Tomahawk Nation. Again, if you're familiar with the site, uh, Josh writes a ton of our recruiting articles, one of our lead uh, recruiting writers, has a great connection with a lot of the recruits out there. Last week, he joined us to talk about offensive targets for 2022 that we're seeing Florida State really hone in on. And this week, he's joining us to talk defensive targets. So Josh, when you're ready, go ahead and take it away. Yeah, I mean, again, like on offense, we started with a, a legacy recruit and probably the number one target. And on defense, we might as well do the same and talk about Marvin Jones Jr., right? Uh, uh, David and I have talked several times that, like, we would love to see him join and just watch him and uh, Brandon Jennings just absolutely uh, annihilate people on defense. Uh, yeah, that's a very realistic possibility. I mean, those kids are great bloodlines and just absolute studs and menaces on the field. And Marvin Jones started his season last week and had a sweet sack. So that, that kid's going to be a baller. And, and, and matched up with Marvin Jones, he's a cornerback, Earl Little, Little Jr. They play together at American Heritage. And I think this is really where the staff's got to be like, okay, if we can land Earl Little, it guarantees us Marvin Jones. You, you, you land Marvin Jones, you might get Earl Little. But if you can land Earl, I think you, you guarantee Marvin Jones. So that, I think they should make a priority on, on Earl Little as well. And Unfortunately, they're down in Miami. Miami's going to be in the mix. Uh, LSU's going to be in the mix. Clemson's going to be in the mix. And Alabama. Those are probably the top four, along with Florida State being the fifth. Um, people don't like to hear that Miami's in the mix, but it just is what it is. And it's hard, hard to get those kids to leave Miami. And I think if, if you had to, you know, think right now, Marvin Jones is headed to Florida State. But there's a long time between now and 2022 signing day. So, uh, the uh, the one thing I want to say there is it does seem like his dad is uh, 
is definitely pro Florida State. I know being with the legacy that he is. Yeah, I mean, some of those legacies you're not quite sure, and there's issues right. with Julian Armella and his dad and whatnot, but Marvin Jones is 100% Florida State, and he's all in <laughs> on Mike Norville and company. So, so that's great to see. And, and Marvin, Marvin Jones Jr. is a quieter kid, but he likes Florida State as well. And, you know, we'll see where that ends up. But I, I, I think he, Florida State leads for Marvin Jones. It'd be great to land him. And, and Earl Little's a kid that likes Florida State as well, and Florida State definitely prioritizing him. They made him a couple specialty graphics right off the bat, and not too many kids you could say that for. And uh, he likes Coach Woodson a lot, so that's a great thing. That is awesome. Uh, just sticking with that defensive backfield, last time we talked a little bit about Travis Hunter and just the, the kids down at IMG that he's really tight with, and that's safety Kamari Wilson and cornerback Dalen Everett. And Florida State recently sent out a graphic with all three of them kind of together, and it was like, okay, yeah, I like where your head's at, Florida State, because you kind of get those kids in the same kind of group thinking, hey, let's all go play together in college, and Tallahassee would be a great place to see those kids. It, it really, you know – Obviously, a long time, long time away. But, I mean, it feels like Travis Hunter is one of those guys that's going to stick with Florida State no matter what, that he's got a great bond and relationship. And if Florida State does have a rough year, which, you know, chances are they will, you're going to have him continuing to, to push out the Florida State name. Yeah, and, and for sure. And, and Coach Fuller likes to build that defense back to front. And, you know, you get someone like Travis Hunter and then you bring in Kamari Wilson and Dalen Everett – that's a great start. And another kid on that back end is safety, uh, Devin Moore from down in Naples. And I remember doing an interview with him back in the spring. And he was telling me that his, uh, coach Fuller's first, first recruiting visit after getting hired was to come see him. So that's a kid that they're on as well. And then one more name to know in the defensive backfield is cornerback LaTerrence Welsh out of Louisiana. Obviously coach Jack's got relationships down there, but, but Terrence Welsh likes likes Florida State quite a bit, and and he's a he's a stud too. And another kid that Florida State was on fairly early, and then other kids, other schools have joined that list. So I mean, let's go back to front, like you just mentioned. So then going to linebackers. Yeah, linebackers kind of weird. It, it's not not really sure what Florida State's doing there. Uh, Jalen Sneed's a kid that they love out of Hilton Head, South Carolina, but I'm not sure how big a look he's given Florida State. Chris Marv is all over him. Um, he's making him a top priority, but not sure what's going to happen there. Devin Smith, another kid from, from Florida that seems like Florida State is making a priority, and uh, he likes Florida State a lot. I would, you know, he's even called Florida State his leader. So those are kind of the two right now that are sticking out, but it's, it's kind of like I'm not sure how big a priority Florida State's making linebacker in this class. It's kind of like defensive end. And the secondary, the, the areas where they're really trying to hit home runs, it seems like. Would you, would you classify Marvin Jones Jr. as a linebacker or a defensive end? I see him as a defensive end, honestly. I just think, you know, he's, he, he's big and he's just going to keep getting bigger. I mean, he could theoretically play outside linebacker, but I think he's going he's gonna to keep growing. And who knows? I mean, he's one of those athletic freaks you, you could put out outside linebacker and He's not going to miss a beat, in my opinion. Uh, before we go to defensive line, one other uh, secondary guy that I wanted to talk to that I forgot to bring up, Jaheim, Sing Jaheim Singletary out of Jacksonville. Is Florida State in that at all? Any shot there? Yeah. Uh, I just don't think that they're going to make him a priority because he's not – again, as we talked about on the offense, 
Florida State wisely realizing that he's probably not going to end up there. So you, you know, you keep him hot. You you keep talking to him, but you realize that he's he's not really a priority just because he's leaning probably Florida, Oklahoma, USC in that territory. Maybe uh, Florida State's in the mix, but again, like I just right. to me to me that's not a re- a realistic target. Well, good to see that Florida State is is making that that smart decision of of who to really put all their their focus on and who just to kind of keep warm to see if, if they maybe gain some further interest and so they're not wasting a, a efforts there. Yeah, I mean that's always encouraging to see from staffs and, and and you know when you're not one of the Alabamas and Clemsons you can't have your pick of the litter you got to be smart about that. Yeah. Okay, so let's go to the defensive line, an area where Florida State definitely is going to need some help in the upcoming years. Yeah, as far as the interior goes, I'm not really sure what's going on there, and and I don't want to slam Odell, but it's like, um, what what are we doing for 2022, big guy? So I'm not sure what's going on in the interior, but they're definitely targeting defensive ends like crazy, and 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 staying mostly in the state of Florida, which is interesting. But but maybe they're starting to build some relationships there, which is good. And a bunch of South Florida kids actually. And Dante Anderson's a four star from down there, who's who's been posting a ton of graphics and Florida State's on him heavily. Francois Knowlton is in that same situation. Uh, Florida State's all over him, and he seems to like Florida State quite a bit. Kenyatta Jackson Jr. is another kid, who uh, he's tight with the Marvin Jones and Earl Littles of the world. He's more of a national recruit, so I'm not sure if Florida State will be able to seal the deal there, but they're definitely getting after him. And then a name to know is Aaron Hester, whose, whose dad played at Florida State, and he, Florida State's been talking to him since September 1st. So um, he's a name to remember. And then one more is uh, Michael Williams, a, a four-star stud out of Georgia, who Coach Atkins is actually seems to be leading the recruitment of. And uh, he was a kid that was trying to get down to Florida State before the dead period was enacted. So it's unfortunate that Florida State wasn't able to get him down, but he definitely has interest in Florida State. So, you know, we did the offensive last week, and it seems like we really talked about a ton of names there, whereas talking about defense, uh, there's definitely some studs. There's definitely some names to know, but it, at this time, it kind of seems like the offensive side of the ball is a clearer picture of who they're targeting compared to the defensive side. Would you say that's true? I'd say that's a fair assessment, Tim. Yeah, it's a uh... – and, and, and maybe it's just certain coaches, you know, like you can't quite get a good a read on. And, and obviously Odell is not involved in social media, so it's tough to get a read as to who he's recruiting. And we know that he's, you know, not quite up at the times as far as that's concerned. So that's a little bit disconcerting if we're being honest about it. And we try to, we try to do that at Tomahawk Nation. So who knows what they're doing on the interior of the defensive line. Fortunately, they're able to get someone like, Fabian Lovett as a transfer from Mississippi State. So that's, you know, that enables you to be a little bit pickier when it comes to the interior, but it's a little disconcerting as well, just kind of going forward and in that position. And uh, I don't know. Uh, linebacker, yeah, it's like, I think maybe they're getting fewer and fewer traditional linebackers and they're going to see more hybrid types. But uh, as far as that's concerned, there's only a couple names that, that really keep sticking out. And those are the, the two that we mentioned so well so I, I appreciate that breakdown uh, I think there's some names that can really excite the fan base there but if I could take a few minutes you, you, you kind of talk about which coaches are connecting and which ones you're hearing mentioned over and over do you mind just taking a minute and talking about on offense and then on defense 
Uh, who are the, the primary coaches that really seem to be resonating with the kids? Yeah, I mean, offensively, you got to start with the offensive coordinator. That's Kenny Dillingham, and, and he's got his prior connections out west, and he's doing a good job with a kid like Nico Marchiol and, and, and using those relationships to kind of hopefully bring in a Narmani Winfield or C.J. Williams, and then he's obviously targeting Brennan Thompson, as I mentioned, from Texas as well. So Coach Dillingham doing a great job there. And, you know, if you can land a four-star signal caller who is able to run that RPO offense with – I mean, he's not a great runner, but he's got the mobility. So uh, that'd be obviously a huge piece there. And the recruiting coordinator, David Johnson, he's all about recruiting, and, and he loves to do it. And he's got relationships in Louisiana, and he's got relationships in Tennessee, and you kind of keep – seeing those over and over again. We mentioned all the kids from Memphis. And we mentioned the kids from Louisiana. And, and I think it's really smart that the staff is just, you know, focusing their recruiting efforts on areas where they have relationships. And, and as you continue to build relationships in Florida and you continue to win ball games, you're going to get more heavily invested in Florida. But uh, right now they're sticking those areas that they know well and those coaches that they know well. And, and I think it'll pay off. And then finally, offensively, Coach Atkins. Uh, I mean, that guy just – he's constantly recruiting, constantly building relationships, and, and he's got relationships kind of all over, Louisiana and Georgia and the Carolinas and Virginia. And so, I mean, that – and he's not just focused on offense. I mean, that could, you know, as I mentioned, Michael Williams, a, a four-star defensive end stud that, that Coach Atkins is on, and he's on Kojo Antley, who's, you know, a wide receiver. So it's not just, oh, he's an offensive line guy. Well, I mean, he's – He's doing his due diligence there, but he's worried about a bunch of other positions as well. So that's always nice to see. Um, it, it's, it's, it's encouraging to see that even during the dead period where they really can't go out in Florida to build these relationships, they're taking advantage of where they have, uh, have experience with the state. Yeah, for sure. And, that, and that's something we should mention is that dead period has really hurt a program like Florida State where you've got a bunch of new coaches and and they just don't have the same relationships. And these kids haven't been to Tallahassee to see Florida State or they haven't been there while these new coaches have been there. And, and that's obviously going to hurt the 2021 class, but they need to start getting some of these 2022 kids on campus as well. So hopefully the NCAA wises up and, and kills that thing. Uh, recently I've been going around a new graphic that, hey, you know, like let us visit. Come on. Like the recruits are like, come on, NCAA, get your act together. We, you know. We need to see these schools before we make these decisions, and these decisions are not easy decisions to make. So uh, let's wrap it up on the defensive side. Who do you think is the, the best coaches as far as recruiting-wise? Uh, Coach Woodson would probably be where I have to start. I mean, that guy, that guy is all about some recruiting, and that's a situation where Florida State had TJ rushing, and he was a young up-and-comer, and people were excited about him, and obviously he took a pay raise and went to – Texas A&M under Jimbo, but I think Florida State might have actually lucked out and gotten the better coach in, in, in Marcus Woodson, and that guy is just all over. You know, he's got great relationships down in Alabama from his time at Auburn, but all these kids in Georgia, too, are just like, yeah, Coach Woodson, Coach Woodson's great. I've got a great relationship with him, and you saw that pay off with the commitment of Travis Hunter already, but all these, I mean, Earl Little loves him, and Kamari Wilson, and Dale Lynette. I mean, like, Marcus Woodson is a stud recruiter, and I I think Chris Marv is probably a name you've got to mention on that side as well. And, and, and coach Marv obviously helped bring in a couple of kids from Mississippi state in the, in the transfer portal. But uh, I think, I think once kids are able to get on campus and really get to know coach Marv personally, 
I think he'll really connect with recruits. Right. I, I, I'm, I'm really anxious to, to see them and the impact they can have in Florida once the dead period ends. Cause I think, that, I think they're, they're not quote unquote, like world-class recruiters as we know them, but you're seeing that they have the ability to reach these kids and establish great bonds with them just through basically social media and texting and, and calls. So I feel like they could do some damage uh, here in the upcoming years. Yeah, hundred percent. And, and, and they've got great personalities and, and they're all about family. They're not just trying to, I mean, obviously they want to get the best players, but they're not just trying to get the guy in there and then not care for him. I mean, I, I really think this, this staff is truly committed to these kids and their education and making sure that, you know, the, the best happens for them going forward. And, and one really nice thing about the staff is it doesn't seem to have a bunch of huge egos. They don't really care who gets the credit. They're all working together to try to, to bring the best players to Florida State. That's key, having that chemistry in, their, uh, in the coaching staff. Okay, so one final thing, I'm gonna kind of put you on the spot, Josh. Uh, 2021, we can't, we can't end this without at least bringing up the 2021 class. It's, it's been quiet. A lot of that's because of the dead period, a lot of it because the season started, so the coaches have shifted their focus a little bit. Um, is there any other names that we should know besides Terry and Arnold and Chambray Jackson and Destin Hill, formerly Faison? Or is it pretty much the, those are the remaining big targets for Florida State? I'm just going to be honest with you, Tim, and, and, and say that I don't know. I mean, it's been so quiet on, on Tribe 21, and, and the three that you mentioned are obviously the three biggest high school targets remaining for Florida State. Um, a kid like River Helms, if Florida State is willing to take a third tight end in this class, be a, a kid that I think Florida State will land. Um, but maybe they're just going to try and load up on, on the transfer portal once again for, for this class. And I really don't think that's a bad idea based on the roster that they currently have. And the fact that they got such a late start. You know, you're basically recruiting a year ahead nowadays. So even though we're looking at the 2021 class, the reason we're talking about those 22 kids is because that's really who you're focusing on. Um, and so, for lack of better words, they might have to punt on, on what's left and just get what they can. And like you said, really load up on the transfer market. Well, yeah, I mean, you, and, you, and you've got, you really have got to show progress. And the way you do that is you bring in college-ready players and, and guys that are looking for a fresh start. And, and honestly, playing time's available in, in Tallahassee, and, and it's a great coaching staff. So I wouldn't be surprised yeah. at all if they bring in some more college-ready bodies that are able to step in and, and help Florida State out immediately. And they're showing that you can come in and you're going to play. For sure. If you're, if you're, if you're willing to practice hard and do the right things and, and buy in, then plenty of time is available. Yeah. Well, Josh, I really appreciate you jumping on two weeks in a row for us. Uh, as always, I encourage everybody to check out uh, our Twitter account or our site. You'll see Josh all over the place. Uh, give him some recs. Let him know uh, what a great job he's doing. Josh, thanks so much for jumping on. Yeah, Tim, and just, just a reminder, you know, get in, if you got questions, get in that recruiting thread, ask, ask questions to myself or Tim or, or Noel through and through, and we're happy to answer any questions you might have. Article suggestions are great. And, and another thing that maybe people don't realize is there's a, there's a recruiting tab up at the top of the a page for Tom Mike Nation. That's where you can kind of click that and, and go back and check out all these articles that, that we've written with these guys and kind of get to know these 22, 22 recruits a little bit better. Perfect. Thanks so much, Josh. I really appreciate it. Yeah, Tim, anytime.
thank you, Josh. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Tim, for so many things, but specifically for being smarter than me about talking football because that is why you are at the beginning and I'm at the end, bringing things home, bringing you, you know, just a few small updates. We didn't really hear too much this week. It was a short week of availability. Um, Coach Norvell back at practice after dealing with the coronavirus. All the injured players that we've been wondering about, we have no status update concrete as far as they're going through their process. Um, we, I got a nice uh, waving of the paper on Tuesday when I asked Coach Norvell about the depth chart. When he said, really, <laughs> he could put it together on Monday and then Saturday it does not matter. Whoever's going to play is going to play which was his nice way of telling us, um, ooh, I was trying to think of a nice euphemism for go away. Go away, yeah, that's a PG-13 way of saying it. Go away is a nice way. Overall, he kind of had a different demeanor on when hearing questions he didn't like this week. It was pretty entertaining. Um, you know, and that really was about it. They're kind of business as usual in the program this week. Which I know, business as usual, might have a different meaning to some people listening to this. But it's more of a mindset where they are kind of aware that they've gotten away from just playing football. They've gotten caught up in the fields, as the youth say. I think it was Asante Samuel Jr. who said pretty much what I just said. That they're not playing football, that they got away from it, that they're too caught up in their heads. And I think that's what you would like to see this weekend you would want to see just consistent execution you want to see that scripted drive efficiency more than after 12 minute mark in the first quarter um yeah that's pretty much it again thank you to everybody for listening thank you to everybody who jumped on if for some reason you are listening to this podcast without having been on tomahawk nation one I'd like to meet you because that's very confusing too. Please make sure you're checking out the amazing work that everybody's doing. Not just these big brain bros that were just on here. Baseball, basketball, soccer, you name it. We have everything that you could possibly want. Florida State related, all for free, no paywall. Boom, baby. That is probably all I can come up with before something dumb. You heard my brain just sputter right there. So I'm going to go ahead and cut it. Thank you to everybody. And with that... That's a wrap.